Welcome to Hunter's Quest Podcast. My name is Hunter, but this is our quest. What's up, guys? Welcome to the Hunter's Quest Podcast. I am your host, and yes, my name is Hunter. And today on the podcast, I get a chance to catch up with an old friend, uh, Josh Moore, And Josh is a really cool guy. He's from North Carolina, and uh, we met years back when I was working for the Christian Broadcasting Network, Uh, and he was just a young guy at the time, and I could tell he was sort of interested in what we were doing from a videography standpoint, and he kind of mentioned to me that he was interested in getting into videography and wanted to get into the outdoor industry. So we were kind of talking cameras and stuff like that, and but anyway, he, uh, you know, he had a dream to get into that industry, and... uh, you know, as you guys know, it's a pretty, it can be a pretty tough competitive industry to get into, but you know, he had that dream and he went for it and he stuck after it, even when things got hard and he kept plugging away at it. And he did uh, eventually break in and get to do a lot of work with uh, some national TV shows. He's worked on uh, Red Arrow, Drop Zone TV, Hank Parker's Flesh and Blood, Real Tree Road Trips, Midwest Whitetail, and Headhunters, to name a few. But the main one that he's still doing work for and um, does stuff with is Bone Collector. So he's a really experienced outdoorsman, experienced videographer. Um, he's got a cool story of getting into the industry. And, you know, I may have shared this verse on the podcast before, but kind of the verse that came to mind when I was doing this intro was Proverbs 16.3. And this is a verse that I feel like is kind of one of the themes for, for me, you know, doing this podcast project. Um, and it says, uh, commit your work to the Lord and your plans will be established. So um, Josh is a uh, man of faith and we talk about that a little bit. And, um, you know, like I said, he had a dream, he went for it, he stuck after it and uh, ended up getting into the outdoor industry and doing some cool stuff. And he's done some really awesome Western hunts as well as a lot of cool whitetail and stuff. And he's a big time turkey hunter as well. So I uh, hope you enjoyed this conversation, and also if you like the content we're bringing, it's very helpful if you can take a minute and leave me a rating or a review on Apple Podcasts, or just hit the subscribe button, and also share the podcast with your friends and family. Those ratings and reviews help a lot, but good old-fashioned word of mouth is really the best way to get the word out and share the podcast, so make sure you do that. And I did want to mention real quick, if you are local to the Hampton Roads, Virginia, Southeast Virginia, or even Northeast North Carolina, I'm going to be speaking at a cool event on April 9th in Chesapeake, Virginia. It's called Faith RxD. It's a group of Christian CrossFitters, and um, basically we get together, do a workout together, and then there's a little devotional and like kind of fellowship time at the end. So after the workout, I will be speaking briefly, and that is going to be at Three Ships CrossFit in Chesapeake, Virginia on April 9th at 7 p.m. Anyway, hope to see you there. Uh, Thanks for your support. I'm really looking forward to the next weeks and months. We have some awesome content already pre-recorded and in the hopper for you guys, ready to go, and some more really great guests on the calendar. So yeah, stick around. Make sure you hit that subscribe button. Again, I really appreciate your support and all the great feedback I've been getting. 
uh, on the reviews and also on Instagram. And don't forget to follow us on Instagram at huntersquest underscore. And I love hearing y'all's feedback on there. And I'm always happy to connect. So shoot me a DM if you want to connect. And um, really hope you guys enjoy this episode. And we'll catch you on the other side. Welcome to the Hunter's Quest podcast. This is your host, Hunter. And I'm here with uh, an old friend I uh, met a long time ago, uh, Josh Moore. On Instagram bio, it says farmer, hunter, pilot, and pro freelance photographer and videographer. But yeah, man, you had this kind of dream. And uh, I kind of followed you on Instagram and Facebook and whatever and, and saw that you were you were doing it, man. You were, you know, achieving your dreams. And I thought it was really cool that you had a had a dream to get into the outdoor industry and filming and stuff. And you're doing it. So that's awesome, man. It was uh, it's, it's been I've been blessed, been able to see a lot of cool places and meet a lot of cool people. So, yeah, definitely. Definitely blessed. Yeah, for sure, man. Um. Well, you did what I've heard called before taking a moonshot, which is you had this kind of big, some people might even say crazy dream, but you knew what you wanted and you just went for it and you were persistent and uh, it paid off. So what was that journey like, man? Well, basically like getting into it, you know, going back to the way you were talking earlier, you know, I started, started in the industry probably, I'd say seven years ago now, six or seven years ago. And uh, it's a very hard industry to ever break into, break yeah. the ice and I sent a lot of emails and a lot of messages to different different people, different places, trying to, you know, get them to give me a chance. And uh, my first chance was a buddy of mine has become one of my best friends now and, um, out of Indiana, and he was with Midwest Whitetail at the time. And he's like, why don't you come up, you know, a week during the rut, I'll kind of teach you some ins and outs. And that was the first time I'd ever sat in a lock-on tree stand, first time I'd ever used a camera on an arm uh-huh. in a tree. And uh, that was, I think, I want to say maybe, might have been longer than that. Is that 2012? So that's it's 2021 yeah, eight, now. Dang. Years, yeah. Nine, yeah, it's yeah. Been, been a while. And um, so kind of that kind of sparked a fire under me. The next year, I bought my own equipment. And um, did y'all get any action still, on that on that first trip? Did you get any action? On, on that first hunt, we killed uh killed a couple does, but no bucks. Okay. So, but I was just I was just pumped to be up there, and um, yeah. and it was it was all different to me, you know. I left or drove up there, and I remember driving. It was in Indiana. I drove up there, and my mom's like, "You gotta stop halfway. You can't drive, you know, ten hours in one sit." Now, you know, I just got back this past year from Colorado. Drove thirty three hours in one sit. Thirty three. <laughs> so, mom, that was yeah. <laughs> yeah. That was that was a good that was a good ride. But um, dang man. But it, but anyway, so, and then after that, I started continuing, you know, to reach out and just video on any time I could. You know, if I was hunting, I'd video and I'd try to find buddies that, hey, you know, let me sit in the tree stand with you and, and film you shoot a deer or shoot a squirrel or something. Yeah. And um, the first the first break I got with the outdoor uh, national show was um, was through a, a, another good friend of mine now. His name is John Tate, and uh, he used to work with Realtree and got into – he left Realtree and started a production company, and um, – he was producing Drop Zone Television and uh, Hank Parker's Flesh and Blood at the time, and he brought me up, sat down, had an interview with him, and started started working for them, and did a couple couple trips with Drop Zone, and um, then that following spring, 
uh, started working with Hank Parker and his son, um, Billy. And um, I traveled with them for about two years, pretty much kind of full, not necessarily full time, but I was their, one of their main camera guys. Yeah. And, um, and once you ever get into the industry and kind of get a name for yourself and do good work, you know, it's, it kind of snowballs. You have people call and, and <clears throat> now i turn down a whole lot more than I do, but I, I work with Bone Collector and uh, Drop Zone still. That's that's two of the main shows that I'll do stuff with. And nice. like I said, I I got married and slowed down a little bit. I try to use my travel days for myself to hunt. Yeah. And, and uh, not so much filming, but I also do I also uh, video weddings too. And that's, you know, hunting's great and all, and I, I love hunting. Um, and I still enjoy filming, but if you're going to make any money video, and this is definitely going to be in the in the wedding industry. That's, there's some money in that. Yeah, I know a couple of friends from CBN that have really made a lot with the wedding stuff. I mean, and it's consistent business too. So, <laughs> yeah. Well, well, unless it's COVID time. Yeah, <laughs> that's true. So, um, before you got that first kind of shot with that that one guy that called you up to come uh, film when you shot the does, like, were you practicing a lot, like at home on your own or that kind of thing? And or? I, so, so, I always had a passion for photography, and like I took photography in high school took ap photography and and some other things and i just uh i didn't have any idea on video i just knew i wanted to be in the hunting industry and unless you had a lot of money or you were somebody it was you know it's tough to get in there so i was mm-hmm. like well you know i was still with the camera so hey why not why not try to get in that way and um and that was kind of what start started that but as far as the filming aspect of it i just watched a lot of hunting shows and and working in industries kind of ruined that a little bit for me you know just because there's so much that is you know after the fact um i still enjoy watching it more so for the ideas and the creativity of other videographers and 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 producers and things but but as but that was that was the only i guess you would say practice or you know that i had before going out there that first time and sitting in a tree you know other than just hunting and so cool so when you said you were like that i think you said for like two years you were like basically full-time with one of those outfits like what was what was that kind of like like what was the you know in a in a nutshell what was that year like or two years well so i'd say probably my busiest year i ever had filming was 2016 and from basically september to december i was home maybe 10 days you know I'd, I'd leave on one trip and go on the next and and i during that time i that was with hank parker's flesh and blood drop zone um red arrow tv uh i feel like there was another one I'm probably forgetting um but you know i'd get home on one trip and and being a freelance guy at the time you know you might get a call on a monday and say hey are you available friday through next you know for the next five days and and i was single you know just wanting to be anywhere i could and, sure. and eating it eating it up and so so i would i would take about whatever come along and uh yeah, so i'd say 16 was probably my busiest year with that and then that was i killed elk that year in new mexico that was the first oh, nice. big game hunt i ever did um on my own so that was that was pretty cool too yeah i want to hear about that too um what, 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 like before we get there like how how long did it take to kind of get your foot in the door and stuff like that so that so the first opportunity I ever had, you know, went back going back to my buddy Casey um, Jones now and and so I was just on I, I was on Facebook 
and looking up different this was back when facebook was you know a little bit cooler then <laughs> and uh had you know people you may know or pages you might like to follow and i was just following anything i could hunt wise and he had a, a little you know a web show along with midwest whitetails called acorn ridge outdoors and it popped up on my thing and i sent him a facebook message and and that's how all that started and that all happened i'd say within within the year of me wanting to try it you know I'd, and then it took probably i'd say two years before i ever had a, a break with outdoor channel or a national show um you know i bought my equipment the next year and then the following the first trip i went on was two days after christmas and um 15 maybe i think it was 15 no it's 14 so it's christmas 14 so it's beginning of the year of 15 and um and so it was two years from 2012 to 14 the end of 14 before i ever had a national show and um and we went to i think it was nebraska on a deer hunt and um i was with scott zipadelli which is um there in the nascar greg zipadelli's brother mm -hmm. um and he killed a, a big eight point and i seen the biggest doe i've ever seen in my life that was the first like big out-of-state hunt that i'd been on other than indiana and this doe i, I kid you not dude was 200 pounds it <laughs> it comes out you're like out there you know coming from north carolina you know a big doe here is like 90 pounds yeah. you know a phone phone out there is 90 pounds a year right. and so doe comes out you're like oh that's a buck oh it must already <laughs> shed its horns that's, that's a doe <laughs> so oh, that's cool man but and uh i know you come from uh you know a christian household and stuff but you know when did when did you get saved like or uh you know did you have a time when you got kind of saved as as an adult yeah so that's that's a that's a tough question. Like that was one thing, you know, I always battled with growing up a little bit. Um, you know, I, I, I was a preacher's kid. So, mm. you know, I was always, I had that persona of, you know, preacher's kids are the worst. I was, I was not a bad kid though. So, you know, <laughs> just, just for, just for the, record. for the record, but, um, yeah, but you know, growing up, I church, church doors were open. We were there and, um, and, you know, I always heard, you know, other people's, you know, these, these stories of you know this this life-changing moment or this time that they had with with god that just changed them forever and i don't know if i've ever had that you know i've had a lot of moments where i knew that that was in you know that it was involved but i guess being there all the time or you know growing up in such a strong christian household you know i always wondered well when am i going to have that you know but looking back now you know there's been times where i could definitely see you know, he was at work in my life. Yeah. So that was, that's, uh, you know, growing up that way versus different ways. It's, it's kind of a, I don't know, double-edged sword and so to speak, but. No, I hear you. You can kind of get to the place where you hear it so much from your time. You're so young that it like, it, it doesn't have the same impact. Yep. And I've had that yep. same kind of journey of like, I got saved as a kid but then like I walked away and then I got like saved again when I was like an adult, yep. you know? Exactly. Exactly. And, and that's, that's kind of, you know, we all, nobody's perfect. We all fall short. Sure. You know, I've, I've done things, you know, I regret, but at the same time, I, I've never, I've never had that, that moment where I, you know, completely ventured off, I guess you would say off the wrong path or, or so to speak. And I've, I've never also had that moment where I've just had that, you know, life-changing deal and i just feel like that only reason that is the case is you know just 
the way I grew up and the the household I was in. Um, it, yeah. Yeah. So. Would you say that your faith is is part of your day to day life now at this point? Yeah. Yeah. Um. You know. Definitely. Being a farmer, you pray a lot, a whole lot. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> so you put you put a seed in the greenhouse, put it in a or weed, you know, with watermelons, you transplant it. So um, put it in a greenhouse and put it in the ground. Like this year, I had, you know, it was really tough for me because right after we planted, we had like we had a day. I got ten inches of rain in like three hours, and I had Ooh. a field, about a forty acre field. I I kid you not, I I would have told you I never picked a watermelon off of it, and um and you know, we prayed about it. I had a lot of people praying for me and, uh, and turned out, picked a lot of watermelons, you know, never, I had people tell me, you know, this, this field might as well dist it in. And, um, I might've lost two acres off that whole 40 acres. So that mm. was, that was pretty, pretty awesome. Nice. So, so do you have like so your own pieces of land that you farm by yourself or something now or? Yes. So, and you know, dad actually sold his business. Oh, okay. Um, the, the, when I, the business that y'all, had come down and did the documentary on yeah. and um uh so i actually started um my own brokerage business last year with a um a partner a good friend of mine out of florida and so i grew i've i've grown melons since 2011 on my own uh, as far as farming goes nice. and um and then last year was the first year i brokered and farmed as well and we contracted with other farmers we had about 400 acres that we handled and we ship all over the u.s and canada nice, and did a lot with walmart and Publix. Yeah, and cool different different places like that so. so every time i eat a watermelon now i'm like i wonder if this came from the moors yeah <laughs> there's a good chance it had had something to do with it yeah, you never know. yeah that's cool um yeah, but when you're talking about that, it just brought to mind, there's so many cool, like, examples in the Bible or, like, illustrations about farmers and, like, you know, um, some planted the seed or whatever, but God makes the seed grow, you know, I watered, but God makes the growth happen, and um, there's a lot of really cool, you know, Jesus has tons of farming examples in his parables and stuff. Does that kind of ring differently when you're reading that stuff and you're actually a farmer? Oh, oh yes, yeah, it's, it's, uh, it definitely hits home, man, because I'm telling you, I wouldn't... I wouldn't be where I was, I am now without him. And, you know, farming has definitely, definitely brings out the best and brings out the worst in you <laughs> at, at, at times. Yeah. But, um, but I would, I would definitely say, um, my faith plays a big part in my everyday deal, you know, especially with farming and, and hunting and it, you know, everything I do, I try to do it, you know, in a, in a, a sense where I not necessarily stand out, but, you know, I want to be, the best I can be for him, you know, that way it comes back, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Like work, like you're working for the Lord to give him glory kind of thing. Yep. Yep. For sure. Cool, man. Look, has there ever been a time where, um, you know, maybe like when you're trying to break into the hunting game or even like when you're out on a Western hunt or something, when, um, or I guess more specifically, I'd like to ask about like when you're trying to get into your career, was there ever time where you wanted to quit? That was a couple times, you know, in, in that in that span from the first time I ever did anything to <clears throat> to the time I had a, a chance with a, a national show. So between so 2013, you know, I started farming in 11. In 2013, we had a bad, really bad year of farming. I had a hundred, I had 180 acres of watermelons by myself, and we had a lot of rain hit and um, a, a thing of 
a farmer will tell you, especially an old farmer, a, a dry year will scare you, but a wet year will kill you. And that year, you know, was what hit home because I had a hundred acres of melons. I didn't even pick because it, the disease hits about, I had one field that was 50 acres and I was disting up one side of the field, trying to save the other side before the disease hit. And, it, and uh, so I lost, I lost a lot of money in 2013, you know, being 20, 20, 21 years old, you know, losing that kind of money that, that, that makes you think a lot about life and a lot about, you know, different things. And, and that was another, you know, big faith moment for me because, you know, being that young, losing hundred to $150,000, you know, not knowing how you're going to pay it back, not knowing how you, that's, that's, that was my life livelihood from 13 to 14. What am I going to do? Luckily I just got out of college and, I was in the process of remodeling the home, but I was still living with my parents. So I'd, luckily I was able to kind of put that on the back burner, stay with them. And, and, um, I worked in, uh, I had a buddy that had a pest control company and started, started helping him at the time. But so I had to put everything as far as hunting goes kind of on the back burner during that time and got back into farming the next year and still, you know, still was reaching out, trying to break that ice and trying to get into the industry. And there was a lot of times, I can't tell you how many emails and messages I sent that I never got a response for. And that was one thing I told myself, if I ever break in this industry, if anybody ever messages me asking questions about cameras, how to get into it or anything like that, nothing else. I'll take the time out of my day to at least respond, whether I could help them or not, you know, try to give them some insight on what they can do and to, to, to get into it. But, but that was probably the biggest letdown. It's just the fact of nobody took the time to respond back, you know, so that was that was pretty hard getting into it but once once i did it was definitely a big relief you know and then being able to work with people you grew up watching and and then like this past year <clears throat> this past year i i killed a big deer in kansas last year and i was actually filming out there with bone collector at the time and and they i self-filmed that hunt and it was on their show and you know growing up i watched you know real tree road trips with michael waddell and everything and then the fact of see that come back full circle and i have the opportunity to be on the show that was kind of surreal kind of yeah, a, a really cool month that's awesome so did did your yeah. faith ever play a aspect or role in um those moments when you wanted to give up but you kept it staying in there with your dream to get in yeah, there? yeah definitely definitely prayed a lot going back to the you know back to the farming aspect and the and the, the video aspect you know just asking god to you know is this what I'm supposed to do? It's, you know, is this, will I ever get a chance to get into it? You know, or will I ever get a chance to prove myself or, or be able to do that? And, um, and then when I finally did, it just, it was just, it was all in God's timing because if it would have happened before 13, I would have, I'd have had to take a complete break from it because I wouldn't have never been able to, to do the, the traveling and, and things like that. <clears throat> and, and so it, it just it just worked out for the best at the time. Yeah, know? yeah, he's got a plan, man. And that's something that, like, I don't know, I guess for me, I don't know where it came from, but I had this, like, sense where it's like, I almost felt like subconsciously it's like, if I really want to do something, it's probably not what God wants me to do or something, yeah. which is really messed up <laughs> because, like, God is a good father and he wants us to have dreams and enjoy life and live life to the fullest. And he wants us to achieve that stuff. So um, once you realize that, it changes your whole perspective on stuff. Yeah, for sure. And that's one thing, you know, I've, I've been blessed 
with my parents and and I've been able to chase every dream I've ever had the opportunity to. They've supported me. You know, when I graduated high school, I had thought about getting into corporate commercial aviation and just completely leaving the farm and, and things like that. And I got my pilot license and I went to Liberty university for a, a solid two weeks and then figured out this was not <laughs> this was not what i needed to do yeah and so i left there and come back home and but you know i was i i still have my pilot license i still fly and um but i say i, I say that for the fact of you know if, that was a dream i had for you know a couple years and, and my parents supported me sent you know if that's what i want to do and then when i come home I wanted to stay on the farm. It supported me to be able to do that, and that's that's one thing I I've, I've definitely been blessed in that aspect as well. So yeah, man, for sure. Um, how would you say, or would you say, that your faith has made you a better hunter? Um, <laughs> I pray a lot, asking God to send a big deer coming by my tree stand. <laughs> so, so, no, I um, I don't know you being out in in god's creation that's that's one thing man a lot of places you go you don't have cell phone service you don't have you know it's just you and god um i i got a little bible i carry with me and and read read quite a bit and so those moments you know you're out there that's uh you can't get that anywhere else you know absolutely yeah i took a little bible with me on my alaska trip and it was like awesome it was a couple times we got socked in like literally you can't see more than like 50 feet and you have to sit in your tent and you kind of uh-huh. get starting home, started getting homesick. You started like, what am I doing out here? And just have that Bible and, and, um, and going through Psalms. It's just like, it just kept me going, you know? Yep. Yep. And that's, that's, you know, there's back to a question you asked earlier. There's been, been hunts and stuff, you know, that you just literally just get worn down uh, and, and just want to give up. But, having having god on your side definitely definitely helps you push through it yeah it's like you got that you got that friend that that you got that not everybody has but um you have like a little ace in the hole almost (laughs) Mm -hmm. um i guess on the other side of that is how has being a hunter made you a better believer oh man that's a hard question um just as far as being a hunter, you know, what I've been blessed to be able to see places that, you know, most people will never see in their life, you know, and go places and, and do things, um, as that deals with hunting, you know, just being 10 miles in the woods, you know, and whether you're hunting a deer, an elk or whatever it is, you know, and being in God's creation where people don't see every day, the beauty of that, um, it just really, it really makes you understand, you know, there is a God, you know, there's people that question it every day, but I mean, that's just kind of solidifies things in, in my mind, you know, that just being able to see that creation, that beauty and everything is, um, from a hunter standpoint, you know, definitely helps my faith in, in, in things. Yeah, for sure. And I think like, a lot of people, especially people who maybe, you know, live in a city and they're always in an air conditioned building and they never see wildlife. They're always walking on concrete. It's easy to be so removed from that. But like it's when it's in your face and you're living and you're like literally part of nature, like as a predator and you see it, um, it's it's like almost impossible to deny a creator. You know, it's so hard. Oh yeah, for sure. <clears throat> for sure. 
Yeah, man. That's awesome. Um, so, you know, one thing I always talk about or a lot is just like with physical fitness, you know, you got to have a routine. You got to be consistent every day um, to see that really like results in your life. So um, do you have like a do you have like a spiritual fitness routine that you go through or like a morning routine you go through or anything like that? No, not really. Um, and I, I say that, you know, I try to, but I get into slumps or get into to times that I, I fall short on that. And that's, that's not a very strong point I have, you know, it's something I'd like to do, you know, I wake up in the morning and, and think about doing that. And then something else comes up and I don't, um, and, um, it happens, but as far as, as far as that goes, uh, not, not as not as regularly or not as much as I'd like for sure. Yeah, I hear you, man. Um, and I know you. Do you do anything uh, like to stay stay in shape physically? I eat a lot of fried chicken. I do. <laughs> I, I do like. I do like <laughs> some Bojangles chicken. But um, I, I, d- d- during you know, it it goes in stages. Like this time of the year is probably the the worst time as far as how much I eat and 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 physical fitness wise now during the summer, you know, I, I'm working 80 to a hundred hours a week yeah. and out in watermelon fields and at the warehouse and stuff like that. And I don't have as much time to eat and I, I'm always working and working out and doing things like that there. And then during the summer it hits and I mean, during the uh, fall and, and the hunting season hits and you're doing, you know, backpack hunts and, and, yeah. and sitting in a tree and, and, and things like that. So I guess, the older I get, they say it's going to catch up to me, but I've always had a really fast metabolism. And so I'm, I'm a small guy. And, uh, so I haven't had that where I needed to jump on a treadmill yet, but <laughs> I, it, it may hit. How old are you now? Uh, 29, I think. <laughs> it, I forget sometimes I was born in 91. So yeah. I'm 29. Okay, so. cool. All right. I got a few years on you and, uh, I mean, Hey, not, not for everybody, but it, it can start to catch up on you. It, it's my wife tells me it's catching on with me now. I don't, I don't, I don't quite see it, but yeah. She, uh, getting married will do it to you too, man. Getting married will do it to you. Settle in, get comfortable, and start getting a little pudgy. It, it, this is true, man. It, it gets gray hairs on you too. I tell my wife that's from her. And, uh, so. <laughs> oh man, um, but yeah. So like you were saying, you you did sort of start. I noticed on your social media and stuff, like sort of transitioning into some of the western hunting and stuff. Uh, what was like the first western hunt you did? The first, first ever Western hunt I did, I'm trying to think back, it was a, I think it was an elk hunt in Montana, and I was with my buddy Casey, nice. and um, we were in Missouri River Breaks. Um, it was a tent camp, and that was just probably the coolest thing ever. You know, you see wall tents and stuff, mm-hmm. you know, on TV growing up in Alaska in different places, and we we're staying in the wall tent, had a little cook, and and we'd go out every day and walk five ten miles a day, and we killed. I think we killed the second day of that hunt. It was a bow hunt and got in glass, glass elk every morning. Mm-hmm. And um, once we, once we found the elk, you know, this one, we glassed him from probably two or three miles and, and come around a ridge and got on top of him and come down. And, um, he, we popped up, he was bedded down, made some noise, you know, cow called to him. He stood up and he shot 10 ringed him, you know, 30 yards and took off running. That was awesome until the fact that we get down there and, you know, have to, it's two o'clock in the afternoon. And now we got to dress, dress them and pack them mm-hmm. out. And we're, 
two and a half miles one way to the truck and mm. i'm like guys i'm a camp guy here i'm not uh <laughs> that, that didn't work that that excuse didn't work there so it was there was three of us it was me my buddy and the guide and, and uh we we took we took two trips um uh two and a half miles one way and we the last trip we made it back to the truck as the sun was setting so that was uh nice dude that was a long long day a lot of walking a lot of heavy walking 70 80 pounds on your back yeah for two and a half miles Good camera gear and and meat huh yeah, yeah. So it was, it was, uh, it was fun though. I'd, I'd do it again in a heartbeat. Did, did you? Were you struggling physically on that, or are you pretty good? No, I'm telling you, man. That fried chicken diet is <laughs> is the way to go. It is the way to go. It's like my buddy, my buddy Casey. He's he's quite a bit older than me. He's uh, he's getting on up there. I tell him he's getting to be old, man. He's about forty now, and and um, and we're going into the trip. He's working out every day, you know. I'm doing watermelons packing and, and everything and he's like you are working out getting ready for it ain't you i was like i was like well i, I ate bojangles yesterday does that count he's like no, it doesn't count he's like you're gonna be be hurting and then the both trips i was the first one back to the truck and he's like man he's like it's like i gotta get in the watermelons and fried chicken he's like it's working out thing ain't working so yeah well yeah maybe you're blessed or lucky i don't know like uh it, like I said, it's gonna catch up eventually. Yeah. It's, it's it's coming. I when I did this Alaska thing, we were um yeah, I definitely trained for that, man. Like the guy I went with too, he was um ex Navy special warfare, like in super amazing shape and you know, we were packing in probably seven miles and heavy packs, but anyway, um yeah, hopefully man, hopefully you can stay stay fit like that and not have yeah, to work yeah, out. I'm, I'm on- I'm gonna have to start working out before long. I, I definitely, definitely gonna have to. Those pack hunts, they'll, they, oh, yeah. they'll get the best out of you if you don't. So, I mean, for me, it was like, don't get me wrong, I love deer hunting. Like, I know you're like a deer hunter, diehard. Um, but for me, when I like learned about backpack hunting and the Western thing, it was like a whole new world <laughs> opened up. I don't know. Did you experience that too? Oh, yeah. It's, I'm so if I had to pick one thing to hunt for the rest of my life, it'd definitely be turkeys. Uh, turkeys is, is pretty wild. But then whenever you get into elk hunting, elk hunting's like tur- turkey hunting on steroids. If you, <laughs> if you're there at the right time. Yeah. And, uh, and so, you know, growing up deer hunting and then switching into the, that, you know, big game. It's, it's a, it's, it's awesome as to say the least. Like this past year I went to, uh, I went, me and Nick Munt with Bone Collector went to Utah and I filmed, filmed a, a, him out there and the place we were at, man, it was like Disney World for elk hunting. Mm. I was stupid. I've never seen anything like it. We were there four days and uh, I filmed three elk die and packed out six and Damn. it was a, it was a long four days, but it yeah. was, it was probably the craziest I've ever seen. And, and, and we had bulls bugling from the time we got up in the morning and got on the mountain to the time we got off of it it was just it was That's surreal now that if any you know of all i've been on a lot of elk hunts i've had some had some you know cool bugling moments and, and things like that but nothing compared to this that past that one it was uh that one there if that one will hook you yeah had, and some for me for me something just about like the adventure of packing deep in there and you know camping for days and stuff is just like awesome Oh yeah, that we did. Um, so last year I did a, me and a couple of buddies. Did, um, we went to Colorado and did a, a drop hunt. We um rode in on horses about ten miles, and uh we had paid an outfitter, um, wilderness uh 
think it was Flat Top Wilderness Guides, uh, Cliff Grave. Um, great guy. If you ever look in a, a, a drop hunt in, in mm-hmm. Colorado, okay. we're not too far outside of Eagle. And um, Is that public land or? It was public. Yeah. And um, you could walk in, but the thing is, there's there's so many people, you know, in that first 10 miles. And, and I mean, there's people that go in, you know, with day packs, and there's people that go in for a couple of days. But we um, we had paid him to set that basically have our, have a, we had a wall tent. They packed us in, dropped us off for seven days. And the only days it didn't snow was the day we rode in and the day we rode out. Um, mm. And it, from the time we were in there, it was one day, man, you couldn't see it was snowing so hard. And I mean, Dang. that was probably, I wouldn't say, well, it's one of the toughest hunts I've done. Um, I mean, we were walking in knee deep snow every day and, you know, the minimum of five miles and, I, it was one day I walked, I walked um, twelve, and the highest elevation I hit was like ten five, mm. and so our our camp was about eighty six hundred, mm. and so it was, you know, That's a legit. lot of walking, and we had a mule deer tag and an elk tag, and we saw a lot of mule deer. Um, I actually sat on one on the second day in a blizzard. I sat on him for three hours. He was bedded on the side of a mountain. I'd glassed him, and um, got within about two hundred yards of him. And it was like an open meadow and I couldn't get in closer and just could not see how big he was. And the guy told us, he's like, he's like, there's, there's good mule deer up here. He's like 150 to 160, you know, is, is kind of a, a solid deer, but there's, there's big ones up here. And, and I just couldn't, I didn't know anything about mule deer. I've never been hunting for him until last year. And, um, and I had this one, he, he was a nice deer and, would not stand up he'd stand up shake the snow off of him and sit back down and it got to the point i got so cold sitting there i was like all right it's now or never i'm and every other deer we'd seen you know kind of bump off and look back at you try to figure out what you are because we're 10 miles in in the wilderness and they don't you know really know what humans look like so to speak and so i was like i just bumped this deer he'll run up the hill a little bit and then i can get a shot you know if he's a, a good one so i started walking across that meadow real slow and that joker stood up and never checked up, went straight up the hill all the way out <laughs> and uh, running away. You know, obviously they look bigger, but looking back, knowing a little bit more about mule deer hunting now, he was probably in the 150s, 160s. Mm-hmm. And I should have shot. That was the biggest, biggest deer we'd seen all week. And then I ended up killing, I ended up killing a, a five by five on the fourth day. Yeah. And that was the only elk any of us had seen all week that That's was the awesome. one that I and, so yeah was, i remember when it was a fun hunt. i remember i saw those pictures from that hunt on instagram and i was like oh man that's awesome i was i think i was asking you questions about it and stuff because that looked really cool um, it was it was like work man because i mean we had to walk down about 200 feet to the creek to get water you know for cooking yeah. to brush our teeth every morning drink i mean any of that um and then we had to chop wood every day for our fire yeah. you know so you're out there and the uh, blizzard at lunch or you know at night when you come in we'd we'd take turns each day you know somebody was gonna chop wood and um so it was <clears throat> it was definitely a very strenuous hunt but i would do it again right now it was probably one of the most awesome awesomest hunts and there was there was one point and that day that i walked a really long ways i i just took off because we hadn't seen any elk sign around camp and uh and i got up got up on top and kind of went off this one ledge i was on my onyx hunt and we had had so you know on onyx you can download you know a 10 mile radius offline or five mile maps, radius yeah. or whatever, offline maps and so that's that was a big tool that we used while we oh, were yeah. out there 
And um, <laughs> anybody that does a hunt like that, I would definitely recommend they get that. Absolutely. And, but I was, you know, finding little meadows or different things like that and kind of walking towards them. And there was, you know, I don't know if you remember seeing the picture, but there was this rock that I'd walked up on. Uh, well, not rock. It's more of a ledge. And in the ledge, it was a perfect, absolutely perfect cross, you know, mm. in that ledge. I just I just got done eating lunch, and I, like I said, I had my little Bible with me and reading and walked up there and walked in this little meadow and looked up, and there's that cross. And that was just, you know, one of those one of those moments for me as well like you know going back to what we were talking about earlier you know that that people don't see you know but you're out there and then you know bam right there you know there's there's no explanation for that other than you know that that perfect cross is yeah it's pretty cool it just feels like god's winking at you or something (laughs) Yep, yeah, for sure. Yeah, I had for one of those sure. moments in Alaska. We saw I saw a huge rainbow, kind of a tough time in the hunt. And I was just like, "All right, I see you, God." <laughs> mm-hmm. But um, so so that one you didn't train for it. You just just pounding the fried chicken. That was all. Yeah, just pounding the fried chicken, <laughs> chocolate chip cookies, man. I'm telling you, Dude, there's something behind it. I don't know what it is, but it must be all that those hours in the watermelon fields, man. It's 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 definitely the watermelon fields. Yeah. I, I, I uh, that's that's a lot of work, man, yeah. and long days. Yeah, because I mean that's different. That's different from a guy who's working 40, 50 hours sitting at a desk behind a computer and then going out there. I mean, that's you're in the field working your butt off. Like you're gonna be a little bit more ready for that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. For that's 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 definitely, I I can't take I can't credit Bojangles and uh, talking <laughs> chip figures completely. Yeah, has to do with the farm. So was that a um? <laughs> did you guys have to get uh, drawn for that hunt? Um. So the elk tag was over the counter. Um. But the mule deer you had to put in, but it was pretty much a hundred percent draw. Um. But you did have to put in for the mule deer tag, and knowing where we were going, you know, going with him we knew there was a good chance to see mule deer and, and, and have an opportunity at one. So we, we made sure we had both tags going out there and, and you could actually get a black bear tag. Um, we saw a black bear the first day, right. We were riding in, um, that afternoon we'd gotten to camp and we took off, you know, out yeah. to do a little bit of scouting. And, uh, we did see one black bear, but we didn't have a bear tag. So that was an over the counter, uh, elk tag and a easily drawn mule deer tag. Mule deer tag. Um, yep. yep. And uh, what, if you don't mind me asking, what was, just because I'm curious, what was the cost for getting the drop camp and getting packed in and all that stuff? So, so the drop camp, um, I think, I can't remember right off, but I think with, and we opted to go ahead and have them, they, they packed the food for us because it was just easier going into camp and throwing all our bags and stuff on the pack mules mm-hmm. and them already have the food packed rather than us go to, you know, the grocery store and buy frozen meals and stuff like that to cook out there and, and meat. And, um, so they had, they had Ziploc, they had pre-cooked these meals and, you know, put them in Ziploc bags and we just boil water and put it in there. And, and that was, that was what we ate for supper. And, and so with all that, with the food and the pack in, and then they, we had, a uh, each one of us had a, uh, pack out. So if I killed elk, when they packed my elk out, we had to get it to the point, you know, where the horses could, the mules could get to it. Um, but they come in and packed our, our, our kill out and then. We, each one of us had one pack out and I think it was 2,200 bucks. I, I think it was around, around that 20, 2,400. I, I would say I, I can't remember a hundred percent, but <clears throat> yeah, per guy. Okay. That's not too bad. So, I mean, that's doable. It, it, it really wasn't bad. And I mean, for what we had, you know, with the tent and with the furnace and all that yeah. stuff, it was, 
it was well worth it. Did y'all see anybody <laughs> back there? Just, we did see one other group. Um, they were, it was three old guys that they said they did it every year and come in there and hunted. And, you know, Colorado had different seasons, first season, second season, and third season. And, um, and we were on second season and that year that was, you know, normally snow doesn't happen that much during second season. So we hit weather perfect. Um, but those old guys, they, they literally hunted like within a mile of their camp, like a funny story. So I was sitting there, uh, on that same meadow that I watched that mule deer the next, the day before I went back in there the next day and, um, I'd kind of worked my way in there a little ways and it wasn't too far from camp. And, I see one of these old guys, and when I say old guys, I'm saying this guy's a solid 65, 70. <laughs> I mean, he's, you know, <clears throat> they're they're pretty old, but he's creeping. Did they up pack in with I'm horses him. as well? Yeah, some the, 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 they had somebody packing okay. in, and um, and they uh, but they were residents. They were Colorado yeah. residents. I just it was a it was kind of a buddy's trip that they did ever for the past 20 years. I said, and um, <clears throat> but. I'm sitting there watching this guy with the binoculars creep up this hill with his gun, you know, and, and he bends down on a knee and then he creeps up a little more. He bends down on the knee again, looks with his gun. And I look down and there's some, some deer in the field and man, he just unloads on these deer. He, he shoots and reloads, shoots again, the deer run across. He doesn't hit anything. <laughs> and he just stands up, you know, kind of looks, just turns around and walks back to camp. <laughs> just, just, I mean, it was just, it was it was really funny because I'm sitting up, you know, a thousand yards above him, looking with the binoculars, watching him. And yeah. <laughs> it was it was pretty pretty good laugh for me. Tell me real quick about your your mule deer hunt you did this year. I saw on Instagram you shot a pretty nice mule deer. Yeah, buck. that was that was the coldest I have ever been hunting. Um, <laughs> that was that was a cold hunt, man. So we we were in Wyoming. Um, we so me and my wife actually went to Jackson a couple of days and spent a few days there and then we went to cody and our hunt was out of cody and i had the three buddies they flew in flew into cody and i was already there i picked them up at airport and we we went to camp and um and the first day we were there it did it was it was cold but the next the the first day of our hunt like the actual first day was a blizzard like we went out like they asked us the night before like it's gonna be pretty bad marty y'all want to go or you want to hang here and we're like and we're at least try it, you know, yeah. we're here. We're not, we're not going to kill anything in camp. So we go out and it was a bad idea. So we get out there, <laughs> like you couldn't see far at all. Like it was literally just snowing its tail off. And we got it. We, we rode probably. So we get out of the horse trailer and our guide, it was me, it was two, two people and a guide. And, uh, and he's like, we're going to cross this river right here. It's not that bad, you know? And, and then after we cross it, he's telling us a story about, you know, one time he crossed it and there was a big sheet of ice and hit his mule and the mule went under water. And I'm Ooh. like, we got to cross back across that here in a little while. <laughs> and, uh, and we, we got in about two miles and we set, set for a little while and it just kept snowing harder and harder. And he's like, he's like, y'all want to stay out here or you want to go back? And at this point we're like, yeah, let's, let's, uh, let's head back. And so we, <laughs> we go back in the rest of the day. We just hang out at camp and sit by the fire and watch it snow and, <laughs> the next day it was when we left camp it was i think negative 10 mm. and we we're going up so we're getting into the higher elevation so obviously it's colder and um we get up there and the same we go to the same trailhead and we're crossing this river and this time there's a lot of ice in it and i'm just like man that was probably the most nerve-wracking part 
was crossing that river on these horses. And I'm not a, you know, I'm not a cowboy. I got my cowboy card that week, but I'm not a cowboy. <laughs> you know, I'm not, I don't ride horses yeah. a lot. And uh, so we crossed the river, go over there. And that morning there, dude, I had, I had a, a Numa heated vest on. I had plenty of warm clothes, coo- waterproof you and everything. I was, I was, I was good, but I was cold. And um, there was one point I thought I was going to have to tell him, we're just going to stop and make fire. Like we'd, we'd get off and walk the horses a little while, you know, to try to warm up and then keep riding. And, um, we rode in some places that I would not have ridden if it wasn't for the guy in front of me. Like yeah. I'm looking down and like, if this horse loses his foot, you know, I'm, I'm a goner. Like I am <laughs> done. That's awesome. And, um, we get in there and we, we see, we glass in this hillside. We see, and right before that, we've seen some sheep hunters. They come by us and, um, they kind of went on another area and we get in this big valley and we see a real nice buck and he's probably a thousand yards away. So we try to get, make a move, get closer. We get over there, <clears throat> can't find him. Don't know where he went. And we're sitting there by this time, it's probably about 1130. And so we're, we're getting hungry. So we go make a fire and sit there and eat. And I actually caught one of my boots on fire because I was so cold. I was trying to warm my toes up. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, <clears throat> but, right after we we sat there for about an hour ate lunch talked hung out you know it started to warm up a little bit we get on our horses to leave our fire go over the ridge maybe you know 400 yards and look and there's two does and a buck mm. right here to our left and and the guy said that's a pretty good one he bounds over the hill the deer did and uh so we hop off the horses real quick grab the rifles and me and my buddy take off running 100 yards down this hill in knee deep snow mm. and kind of slide to a stop and the deer's coming up to another ridge he's about 250 300 yards away and i told my buddy jeremy i was like dude i you know i'd already told him i wanted him to shoot first and and i was like i was like i was like shoot him guys keep saying shoot him shooting deer's kind of walking kind of towards us kind of looking kind and they don't really know what we are and he's sitting there he's breathing real hard he's like man i can't i can't catch him i can't catch my breath he's like i can't i can't i can't stay steady he's like if you like him shoot him and i mean i'd already had my safety off i was ready i was, I was locked yeah. in. I, was, I was just waiting for him to say it. and i he said that and i shot and a deer i mean he went maybe 50 yards and we get over there and that was that was a really really awesome moment because it was he was a solid deer he scored 160 and some change so nice you know, for where we were at that was pretty good pretty good mule deer yeah I mean, and, it sounds uh, like an adventure too it was it was awesome five days on a horse in wyoming basically on the skirts of yellowstone and we we seen moose um we seen elk was i mean we've seen everything we, the so the last day my buddy jeremy ended up killing a deer and we had um we had a pretty good scare with a grizzly bear, grizzly bear that was coming into the kill site we mm. ended up having a sh- shoot pistols and luckily he went off you know our guide told us i mean he's he's had to shoot a couple grizzlies um and when it happened that's a big federal deal like oh, yeah. people flying on helicopters you got to make sure you uh, the wyoming grizzly population is definitely a a issue um and we've seen it firsthand man it's it was wild how many grizzly tracks and and things like that. you don't want to be out there with any meat or blood after dark without yeah. some serious it's it's it was pretty tough so yeah man but it was an awesome hunt it was it was cold though i yeah i tell you that was that was that was really cold <laughs> and on that one were you on public or is that on private yeah so we were so wyoming um 
to hunt public land and to be a non-resident and hunt public land, you have to be with a guide. Um, In the wilderness areas, right? Yep. Yep. And so, and so we were hunting public, but it was with a, with an outfitter. It was Boulder Basin Outfitters is who we were with. And, um, and did you have to draw that tag? It was, it was a draw tag. Um, but it was, it was, again, it was also a a pretty high percentage draw. And another thing you could do. Did you have some points built up or? Not, not for that mule deer I did. Well, I got a, I got a couple elk points in, um, in Wyoming, but. So you had zero points going in. Zero points going in. We actually bought this hunt, um, through a benefit at uh, a National Wild Turkey Federation okay. banquet. Um, nice. It was. It they had auctioned it off, and me and one of my buddies uh, bought it and split it. It was. It was for two people. Um, five day horseback hunt, and then we could also add two hunters if we wanted to. So I brought a buddy, and he brought his brother. Nice. And um, but the thing about Wyoming is, you know, you can put in for the the draw. Um, and it's like a that unit we were in. It's like a seventy percent draw, but you could also pay a little bit more, mm. and it's pretty much like a ninety-seven percent. Yeah, draw. special draw. And so, yeah, so we we you know we really wanted to do it this year, so we went ahead and paid the extra money to make sure we drew that that tag. Yeah. And um, and so it was it was it was an awesome hunt. I would I would do it again. Just seeing that countryside, man. That that's that 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 just another. My buddy Jeremy has never done any any kind of out of state hunt or ever been out west or whatever. And the first day we're riding horses, you know, in the snow and beside this big mountain, he's like, he's like, if we don't do anything else, this whole trip, he's like, this one hour we're into it has been worth every penny, just because it's just stuff, you know. Like I said, that the average everyday person would never see, yeah. you know. And that's it's it's just it's that adventure. It's, it's kind of a surreal, yeah, exactly. Yeah, man. exactly. That's that's awesome. Yeah, so I'm going to Wyoming for the first time this year with my dad, and my uncle, and my cousin. Um, we're doing a antelope hunt and uh, just self guided, you know, public land kind of thing. But um, we we got one point. So Wyoming, you can buy a preference point July through October, and so we got one antelope point, and we're gonna go to the special draw, and you can get like on a pretty good two or three point unit with one point if you do the special draw. So that's Something that's kind of unique about Wyoming. That's cool. You can get on some. You doing good bow hunting? Or bow no, we're gonna guns. do rifle. Yeah, that's we're gonna good. do rifle. Those antelope, man. I, I've, I've, I've chased them. I'm gonna get my revenge one day, man. They are tough <laughs> little jokers. Yeah, God, I've heard. Tough. I've heard. So, um, <laughs> that's really cool, man. That sounds like an awesome adventure, and like, this is the kind of thing that I think every man, every hunter, like, needs to experience. You know, maybe it's not realistic to do it every year, but you know, every other, every couple years, whatever you can swing, like, um, or even if it's just once, but you, you owe it to yourself to get out there and do this kind of stuff, man, just to see God's country. I tell my friend, I got people asking me all the time, like, you know, about the out of state hunts and things like that. And I tell people, you know, if I had to pick between hunting at home and hunting out of state, I'd pick out of state every, every time, even if I just did one hunt a year, mm-hmm. it's just, it's worth doing that and seeing the countryside and, and, you know, with elk meat, you know, I've killed I've killed two elk and that's all me and my wife eat. You know, I I I will do an elk hunt every every couple of years just for the, the meat. I Absolutely. mean we don't I don't buy any beef hamburger. We'll buy beef steaks, but as far as hamburger and things like that, it's it's all straight elk. I mean it's and it's so good, dude. It's, oh, to yeah. me I got my I got a little cousin and uh, he always comes over and we we hunt together a lot and anytime he spends the night, you're gonna cook me an elk burger tonight and <laughs> it's it's 
it's it's to me it's be, it's way better than beef. Yeah. Yeah, me and me and my family, we've switched to like I would say 95% venison as opposed to like beef from the store. Like we're mm-hmm. almost all year completely just eat deer meat, but uh, and you kind of already answered this, but just real quick, what would you say to an eastern guy who wants to get into western hunting or is thinking about it but is kind of intimidated or whatever? What would you say to that guy? Do it. I mean, don't hold I mean, save some money, put some money aside and and figure out what you want to hunt if it's whitetail or elk or mule deer and do your research on the outfitter. I'm, you know, there's a lot of great outfitters out there, but for every great outfitter, there's three bad outfitters. I mean, it's it's uh definitely do your research, talk to references, find out, you know, make sure they are going to be doing what they say they're doing. Make sure those pictures they're showing you really are from their place and um yeah. and it's it's uh but it's definitely worth doing, man. I, I tell yeah. you, I'd, I would, I would tell anybody to, to take the time, take the money, and 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 do it, and they won't regret it. They'll do it every, they'll 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 try to do it every year once they once they do it once. Yeah, I found that out, and you know, it's even it's doable, you know, DIY too. Even if you can't afford the cash for a for an outfitter, it is harder. You might have a little lower success rate. Like you know, I ate some tag soup this year, but you can do DIY trips as well. Dude, there's there's great public land uh, oh, in yeah. a lot of places i mean absolutely and and a lot some of these outfitters especially out west they hunt public land you're hunting public land and you're just paying for somebody that's done the scouting right. or done the done the legwork for you which is you know somebody that's limited time you know if you got extra vacation days and 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 things like that you know the public route is 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 a good way to go but don't expect to go out there the first year and kill something you might get yeah. lucky but the first time you go out, the first five days you're out there, that's going to be a, a, a learning experience, a oh, scouting yeah. mission. Find out where the hunt's going to be at, what's going to be good. You know, the first tree you put on, you might have a 150 walk by, you might not see a deer. You know, yeah. but that's that's the uh, that's the thing about hunting the public. Yeah. And and then too, you know, with the Western game, you know that a lot of people don't realize it. I mean, I know you I mean you talked about it earlier. Um, it's the point system and the point system intimidates me as well. Um, I got a, a good friend, you know, Casey that he, he helps me. He's got reminders on basically every state, yeah. you know, for, for points and helps me put in for my stuff, you know, and I've, I've got points in um, Wyoming, uh, Iowa for whitetail, um, Montana for elk and, you know, different places. Yeah. And, learn that point system sign up for there's a lot of different apps and programs that yeah. that go hunt you know hunting full go hunt go hunt is you know both of the hunting full both of those are great great um tools programs that can, yeah exactly that can help you um get into the big game and yep. get into putting in for these points and, and these draws and and if you got kids you know that that you think might like to hunt these places like utah and the places that take 20 years to draw a tag, my buddy Casey, he buys his, 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 his kids 10 now. He's been buying it since he was five. So by the time he turns 20 years old, he'll have a, a awesome elk hunt somewhere, you know, yeah. draw a great unit. And people like me and you that just started buying points and things like that, we won't get experience until we're 50, you know? Yeah. But yeah, I mean, just go ahead and start. Like, don't let it intimidate you. Jump in. It is confusing sometimes, but there are tools out there. I'm willing to help too. But um, you owe it to yourself to start and to figure it out. It is doable. 
Um, you know, like they say the best time to plant a tree was 20 years ago. The second best time is right now. <laughs> so yep. just yep. get in that's, there. That's, 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 that's definitely, definitely good, uh, good advice on that one. Yeah. And, and with, with elk and, you know, as far as over the counter stuff, probably the two best States I would, I would recommend, um, Colorado is a great over the counter state. And then, you know, New Mexico has landowner tags. Um, and you can, if you do some research, you can find, you know, people that sell those landowner tags or find outfitters that, that, that have bought their landowner tags and are selling them that way in different units and stuff like that. You know, if you're looking to go on elk hunt next year and you got the money to do it and you want to kill a good elk, New Mexico is the way to go. Um, if you're looking, uh, you know, just trying to get into it and you want to go on elk hunt, you know, for the experience and there's a good chance you might kill one. There's a, a very good chance you'll go home empty handed. Colorado's the way mm-hmm. to go. You know, this those those two places are probably the two that, you know, I tell people, you know, if they're wanting to do something next year and yeah. next two years, that's that's what you need to look at. Yeah. And for me, I mean, I started with Wyoming and Montana because they're two states where you can just go on their website and buy points. So I got, you know, one yep. point for mule deer, antelope, and elk in both Wyoming and Montana. And I'm just going to start, you know, so. Um, and in Montana, you can get some solid units in three to four years. Like the Missouri River breaks, I think, is four years. Yeah. Um, and and then, you know, you get on Montana, four to seven years is kind of your threshold of, of getting into different units. Um, Wyoming, I don't know as much about it just because I'm just starting to get into that aspect of yeah. it. Um, but, but there's – it's, as far as antelope, as far as antelope go, Wyoming is a great place. In Western hunting in general, you know, Wyoming antelope is a great place to start. There's tons of antelope. You can get on a decent hunt with one or zero even points, and the success rates are mm-hmm. pretty high for that. So that's kind of what I'm starting my first DIY, like you know, kind of self-guided thing, is going to be this fall. Wyoming antelope. So I wanted to ask you two. Well, we'll go ahead. Montana's a good antelope oh, yeah. if you're trying to you know just a, a a cheap western just just getting into the western hunting Montana you can get into a you can get a ta- you can get a tag and get into a hunt for a thousand to fifteen hundred bucks yeah. and and have a pretty good chance of killing one yeah, man. um as, so um almost done I wanted to ask you two more just like gear questions real quick is there like three or four or five whatever like pieces of gear for western hunting that you just like love and recommend um i've always been a big real tree guy i still am that's basically all i wear for whitetail but going out western especially places like when i was in wyoming with the snow in colorado is <clears throat> spend your money buy you some good kuyu you know i've got some sick stuff but the kuyu stuff man i'm telling you it's it's night and day compared to you know some of these yeah. different different clothing companies that you get into i got a pair of uh talus i think it's talus pro pants um they're you know waterproof they got knee pads are waterproof you know on the butt and on the on the legs and and i've got two pairs of those and they're by far the best pants i've i've spent my money yeah. on another thing is you know a good pair of gaiters um boot gaiters um i got i think the yukon pros uh, is what i want to say it is um they're also kuyu whenever you're in the snow walking through creeks walking through water they're a definite must um danner boots that is probably i've been made a believer out of those just by wearing them uh it's 
without breaking the bank. I mean, you can get into Kenetrex and Krispies and things like that, and they're great, you know, but you're spending four or five hundred dollars on a pair of, pair of boots. If you're, you know, just getting into it and want a really good quality boot that's going to last you a, a couple years, you know, and not break the bank, Danner, Danner's definitely a, a good way to go. Nice. Um, and uh, trying to think, think of a, a few other um a few other good things a, a solid backpack you gotta yes. have a good backpack which one are you, you which one are you running backpack. i have it's i don't know the name of it right off but it's a sick backpack okay. it's got the the back brace in it yeah that's what i use when i'm when i'm out in back country mm-hmm. it's just it's it puts the weight where you need it yeah. at it's not going to kill your back and it also that the backpack the frame you know is great whenever you're packing if you have to throw meat in your backpack, if you get into that position or I've used it, you know, as a, a shooting rest, I don't carry shooting sticks with me. You know, I'll lay down prone or throw up my backpack and s- shoot off my backpack, things like that. Yeah. And, or my knee. And, um, and so that's, that's, uh, I would definitely rec- recommend getting something with a, a brace yeah. or a, a frame in it. Yeah. You definitely don't want to uh, save money on your clothing or your pack. If you're going out West, you know, uh, buy once, cry once, just spend the money. It's because <laughs> at the end of the day, it's, you're not sitting in a tree stand all day. You're going to be active. You're moving around. Uh, you're going to be layering. You need some quality stuff. And like you said, it can get down to negative 10 or whatever. And that, that stuff is expensive. Don't get me oh, wrong. Yeah. And, and I, I look at it and I'm like, God, $300 for a jacket that, I could, you know, that weighs 10 ounces, but it, you know, the downing jackets and stuff like that. Oh, did I see you wearing a pro Merino jacket or a pro, uh, down, super down pro jacket? Yeah. Dude, yeah, I got those I, this year. Money. They're awesome. I, I, I just wore it last week in Kansas under my, under my, uh, my duct and stuff. Yeah. It's like wearing a sleeping bag. Exactly. And it don't weigh anything. No. Spend the money on the gear. Um, like you said, it's, it's, don't don't try to cut yourself short if you're going on a, a, a pack hunt or if you're going back country. You don't want to get out there and get wet and cold and miserable because it just makes the hunt that much worse. Yep. So cool man. All right, last question, I promise. Uh you got one rifle, you're taking it back to the back country and optic. What are you taking? So my Browning Hells Canyon, uh, I've had it a couple years. I have literally dropped that thing, fell on it. Um, and I, I got a Leopold, uh, I think it's a VX five between those two right there, man. It's it without getting into Swarovski optics or something, you know, on up there, I've really enjoyed Leopold Vortex is solid too. Um, some of their, some of their, uh, their, their the optics are a little busy for me yeah. on the Vortex scope. The reticles. Um, I li- yeah, the reticles. There it is. That's the word I'm looking for. I like a, I like a clean reticle. You know, I, I don't want a bunch of lines in it, you know, and, um, but Hell's Canyon. Is that X-Bolt? It is an X-Bolt. Yeah. Um, it, that, that line of rifle is probably by far the best I've ever, ever shot. What cartridge? Um, so the one, one that I carried, on my big game hunts for the seven millimeter. Um, mm-hmm. and I'd rather have something a little bit more power behind it. it. It does drop a little bit, but you know, I shoot the hunter, um, the, uh, precision hunter, um, Hornady. Hornady ammo, the 162 grain. And yeah. dude, this, they're great 
that ammo was actually built for match shooting turned into hunting. Yeah. Um, so like the, the hunt we were just on in Utah, we were actually there with hunting the ammunition and, and that was, that's their main bullet. They push for hunting now that, and it's just, it's a great solid shoot and you're not going to lose the, the altitude or the, 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 you're not going to lose the drop, the drop and everything that you yeah. would on a, on the other ammo. And, yeah. um, but it's, uh, that's probably my two Leopold cool. and, and Browning. I saw you yeah. running a, did you have a Kimber mountain ascent in one picture? I saw? Yeah. Yeah. So, so that's, that's my buddy Casey's gun. So okay. funny story, the, the deer I killed in Indiana this year, I was bow hunting for five days and, and the last day I ended up buying a rifle tag and I didn't take a rifle with me cause I was going to Kansas right after the bow hunt. Okay. And, and, um, and so I grabbed his rifle and it was a 280 Ackley. And, uh, that was, that's his, that's his go-to gun. And this, it's a, uh, very light, awesome, oh, yeah. awesome feeling gun. But, <clears throat> and, cool, and he's got a, he's got a night force optic. If And oh, yeah. it is, it is really, really nice, but you're going to, that Leopold, you know, is 1500 bucks, but that night force, you're looking two to 2,500. Yeah, man. <clears throat> well, cool, man. This has been a great conversation. I loved hearing about your journey. And again, I think it's so cool how you had a dream and you just went for it. And uh, now you're just uh, living the life and, uh, I appreciate your time, man. I appreciate you calling, man. I've I've uh, definitely been blessed and and hope to hope to continue doing what I love. So yeah, man. Hopefully, maybe one day we can link up for a hunt together or something. Me too. Just let me know. I'm always down to go hunting, last minute <laughs> or or we'll plan it. It don't matter to me. You just call me. <laughs> All right, buddy. All right, cool. It's good talking to you, man. Hope everything goes well, and uh, yeah, we'll be in touch. Sounds good, man. I appreciate it. Thanks again for listening to Hunter's Quest Podcast. And make sure you stay up to date on Instagram at Hunter's Quest underscore with pictures and videos from the stories we tell here and just my day-to-day, as well as stuff from the awesome guests we're going to be having on here. I'm also more than happy to answer any questions you guys might have, whether it's about hunting or spiritual stuff or fitness or gear. Also, if you like what you hear and you want to stay on this journey with me, please hit that subscribe button and leave me a review. It helps me out big time. So yeah, shoot me a message anytime, and I'm looking forward to hearing from you and continuing this quest together.